You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. So it's Trinity Sunday, um, and what we do today is we celebrate the mystery of the Trinity, God the Father, uh, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, our church believes in the mystery of this Trinity, and, and we believe uh, we uh, take it from something called the Nicene Creed. So I want to read an excerpt from the Nicene Creed for you right now. And it says this, it says, We believe in one God the Father, the Almighty, maker of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial of one being with the Father. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Does everybody get this? You got it? Good. Is our, is our time done here? We're good? All right. Good. It's a lot, right? There's a lot here. There's a lot to talk about. The mystery of the Trinity. It's a big thing. It's a big mystery. Um, and we're a church that says everybody here is welcome. You are all welcome to worship at the table. And I know there are people who have different thoughts and different ideas about what the Trinity could look like. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take 25 minutes to do my best to explain to you something that for thousands of years people have been trying to explain. So are you ready to, to go on this little, little trip with me? Are we going to do this? All right. Some of you are sitting there going, why the Trinity? Like this is summertime and I should be at a wedding or at the beach or something like that. Um, we're doing, talking about the Trinity today because uh, the Trinity is part of the Christian calendar. Okay? And we follow the Christian calendar here at our church. Why do we follow the Christian calendar here at our church? We follow the Christian calendar uh, because, honestly, it's pretty personal for me. It's a personal thing. I'm going to tell you why. Um, about 2,000 years ago, when the church started, they created something over hundreds of years, over thousands of years, that said that this Sunday, or every Sunday like it, there was going to be a time when churches were going to wrestle with the mystery of this Trinity. So I love the idea that 2,000 years, even before I was around, there were churches, millions and billions of people that were wrestling with the same exact thing that we're going to get to wrestle with today. I like the idea that we're not alone in this. I like the idea that 2,000 years after our church is gone and, and we're all gone, that there's going to be a whole new set of people, millions and billions of people, who are going to wrestle with this idea of the Trinity. We are not alone in this. And I like the idea that today, right now, there are millions, if not a billion people in this world who, just like us, are going to talk about the mystery of this Trinity. So we're in good company. And if you're here and you're like, I'm the worst person that ever existed and I decided to show up today, Take comfort in knowing there's another worst person that ever existed that's at another church doing the same thing you're doing. Like, this should make you feel comfort. That's why we follow the Christian calendar. That's why we do it. So the Trinity, okay? I got to ask you, what does God look like? What do you think God looks like? Genesis says we're created in the image of God. What does God look like? (laughs) Yeah, right, us. Long flowing beard. How many are long-flowing beard people? None of you, okay? How about Morgan Freeman? Some of us are Morgan Freeman people, okay? Uh, Did anybody read, did you guys read the book The Shack? Anybody read the book The Shack? It's a a great, it's a widely entertaining book. Uh, In in The Shack, uh, God is depicted as an older black woman, and I thought that was really cool. It was appropriate. Um, How many people can't put a face on God at all, period? How many people struggle? Okay, so we have different ways and different ideas, things that we feel about God. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll say this. With God, though, with God, I, I bet you that most of us in this room, when we think of God, we think of God as somewhere over here and we're somewhere over here. All right? That's what I bet you our default is just thinking that God's someplace in here looking at us from another vantage point, and then we're over here, and if we do everything right and if we love God enough and if we, if we understand grace well enough, eventually we're going to go over to this other place with God. We're going to get to this spot where God exists. I think if I asked each of you personally, that would be our default on some level. That would be it. I struggle with that. And I'll tell you why I struggle with it. Because I feel like when I think that way, when I think that God's way over here, I'm over here, I'm thinking uh, that I'm spending an inordinate amount of time trying to prove that this God exists somewhere over there. I spend all this time wondering if that God is looking at me and how that God pays attention to me, and I spend all this time trying to figure out what it is about this God who's over here, and am I going to get to go see this God that's over here, and how big is that God that exists over there? I have these atheist friends, and they all say, the reason I'm an atheist is because I don't believe there is a God existing over here in another vantage point. And to them, I say, I would agree with you. I would agree. The theologian Paul Tillich famously said that God does not exist. That's what he famously said. I feel like you can be an atheist theologian, sort of like being a vegetarian who owns a barbecue joint. But like, you can do it if you want to. But the the theologian Paul Tillich, he says, God does not exist. He says, God is the ground of all existence. God does not exist. God is the ground of all existence. What does that mean? It means that there isn't a God that exists somewhere over here. There's not a God that that I'm here and and God's there. God is so incredibly big and so unfathomable and so bigger than our own understanding. God encompasses existence. God is that big, that huge, beyond our understanding. We pray it all the time, right? God, who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever understand. God is the ground of our existence, beyond our understanding. So, if that's true... What does scripture mean when scripture says that we're made in the image of God? Maybe we are made in the image of God. Did you know that um, we're made up of 7 billion to the third power atoms? Did you guys know that? 7 billion to the third power atoms. Do you know that there are more atoms in a single glass of water than there are glasses of water in all of the oceans combined? Did you know that? atoms, the building blocks of life. Do you know that atoms uh, that we're made up of, we have 7 billion to the third power atoms, the ones that we're made up of, do you know that these atoms, okay, have subatomic particles, and these subatomic particles can do so many things in so many crazy ways that scientists have said they've only scratched the surface on what these things can do, right? They've identified 150 of them, they think there could be thousands of them. That's what makes up our body. They still haven't figured out quite what makes up our body. Do you know that these atoms that are in our body, do you know that they're constantly changing, moving, shifting, dying, rejuvenating, doing so many things that every seven years, technically, every seven years, we physically are new people because we've been like, you know, our skin cells have changed and we've regenerated and our bones. Did you know that? So like the person that you saw seven years ago, like you're like, oh, I haven't seen you in seven years. And like you're still seeing your friend. But technically, like, you're seeing somebody completely different. Like, that's true. Is that, does that feel unfathomable to you? Does that feel like, Jonathan, you better check your facts, you might be wrong? Does it feel a little bit like that? 
Does it feel like what, this is nuts, like scientists haven't discovered most of what happens in my body yet? Is it possible that we're made in the image of a God who is the ground of all existence? A God that we might not quite be able to understand? Is it possible? Is that possible? God is not existing somewhere over there. God is the ground of all existence, encompasses all of us. We are made in God's image. So what do we do with this if we're not going to quite understand God? You know what Moses says? Moses is in the desert and a bush starts burning. It's in Exodus. And Moses says, he says, what are you? Or what should I call you? And I love it what God says. God says this. He says, uh, hey Moses, I am who I am. That's what he says. And then Moses says, well, well, who should I say sent me? And God says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, the I am has sent you. You know what I am roughly translates into? It roughly translates into, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) existence. I am existence. That's what it roughly translates into. That's why in Jewish culture you say Yahweh, and Yahweh is breath. Just God is your that's what it translates. So, so Moses was like, God, who should I say sent me? And he goes, and everybody going, Moses goes, all right, this is going to be harder than I thought. So you, 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 you get this. Like you, so this God is the ground of all existence. This God is so huge. So what do we do with this God? Well, maybe, maybe we just worship this God. So now when we sing songs like we sing in one voice, or God, I'm in awe of you, maybe we really should be in awe of this God, because this God is the ground of all existence, bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. So if we're thinking about music, okay, if we're thinking about music, God, I would say, is the music theory. How many people here are really, really well-versed in music theory? How many of you? Exactly. God is the music theory. So let's think about God in terms of song, Okay. God is, um, okay, what's your favorite song? We talked about it before. You have your song, and, uh, and you go to your friend, and you're like, I love this song. This is an incredible song. And your friend goes, oh, really? Tell me about the song. And you say to your friend, well, it starts in A minor, and then it's in three-fourths time, and then it goes from a minor to a major chord progression, and it follows by a slight crescendo, and then it finishes with a staff line with two dots. That's F. <laughs> Would you ever say that to your friend? Your friend would be like, what are you talking about? I don't understand you, but that's music. It's true. God is the ground of all existence. God is often the unexplainable. God is music theory. So if your friend uh, were there and you would say, hey, friend, I have this song that I really, really love. And your friend would say, oh, yeah, tell me about it. What would you do? You'd probably say, well, here. And you take out your phone and you'd listen to it. Right? You'd listen to the song. And the song would be made up of all those parts. The song would be made up of all the A minors and the key progressions and the crescendos and the two dotted on the staff line and everything else. But your friend's listening to the song. The song is Jesus. The song is Jesus. So if you have God the Father, you got God the Father, who's the ground of all existence, who's the music theory, the song, what we're listening to is Jesus. We want to know the unexplainable? We look at Jesus. We want to know the unexplainable. We say that God loves us in such a way, even though God is the ground of all existence and we can't comprehend, loves us in such a way that God says, you want to know who I am? I send you my son. I send you Jesus. And so now, with Jesus, 
we get a glimpse of what this unexplainable God really looks like. And so when we see this unexplainable God, when we bring Jesus, and Jesus is loving those who are untouchable, and loving those who are sick, and loving those who have been oppressed, and loving those who have oppressed others, and loving those who have been caught in sexual sin, and basically saying that you are included, what that God is doing is saying, hey, take a look at this unexplainable God. This unexplainable God loves you regardless of your position in life, regardless of who you are, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of anything else. You are loved. And when Jesus um, goes to his friend Lazarus' house, and his friend Lazarus dies, his friend Lazarus dies, and Jesus, even though Jesus is going to heal him, starts weeping, starts mourning. Why is Jesus weeping and mourning? Because Jesus is showing us that the unexplainable God mourns with us, that the unexplainable God suffers with us. And then Jesus heals the slave of a Roman centurion, Roman centurions were sworn enemies. They were absolutely sworn enemies. In fact, there's a great chance that this particular Roman centurion had actually, um, had actually maybe hurt some of Jesus' friends or, or some of Jesus' uh, Jewish people. And yet Jesus goes and he heals this Roman centurion slave. Why? Why does he do it? Because what he's showing us is that, showing us that the unexplainable God plays no favorites and that there is grace and that there is healing for all in God's kingdom. And then Jesus dies, right? Dies a criminal's death on the cross, even though he had the power to overcome uh, the Roman Empire, even though he could have let himself off that cross. Why did he do that? He does that because what he's showing us is this God operates in such a way where God does not exert power, but God operates in such a way where lives are changed and we are loved because God withholds power. If God is the music theory, we look at the life of, music, uh, the life of Jesus and we see Jesus is the music. God says, you want to know who I am? Look at Jesus. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. His disciples aren't quite sure who he is. And in John chapter 14, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? These words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say... I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. This mystery of the Trinity says that we have a God who is the ground of all existence. This ground of all existence says, you want to know what I look like? Take a look at Jesus, and we get to take a look at the works themselves. But this is the mystery of the Trinity. So we have this Holy Spirit this Holy Spirit that we've been looking at all through Eastertide in Acts. And the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, uh, Jesus ascends up to heaven. He says, hey, uh, hang out in Jerusalem for a while. My Spirit's going to come upon you. And all of a sudden, the Spirit shows up. And these people start to do things that they weren't doing before. And they start to think things that they weren't thinking before. And they start to act ways they weren't acting before. And talk to people they weren't talking to before. They start doing all these things. They start working towards the peace of God's kingdom. So C.S. Lewis says that this spirit is the shadowy side of things. So if God is the unexplainable ground of all existence and, and Jesus is, is the music, the one that shows us what God looks like, well then the spirit is, is, is never quite, it's, it's in front of us and around us and behind us and all over the place. And what the spirit is, is maybe how the music makes us feel. The spirit is maybe how the music makes us feel. You guys got your favorite song? Got your favorite song? In 2001, 
I went to London for the first time ever, and I got off the plane. I took out my Discman. I popped in Radiohead, OK Computer. Anybody know that album? And I listened to it, and it changed my life. I walked around London, and I listened to that. And I couldn't tell you why or how it changed my life, but it changed my life. And 15 years later, I will never forget that experience of that day with Radiohead's OK Computer. Anytime I hear one of those songs, I think about my time in London. You have situations like that? You got that? I have a friend who said that he decided to become a missionary after listening to Sufjan Stevens on a rooftop in Guatemala. So he decided to become a missionary. I can tell you story after story of people who um, have a particular song and it reminds them of a certain place and a certain time with certain people. And immediately that song will come on the radio or it's played and it takes you right back to that spot where your life was changed or a relationship was changed. You guys have that? You have it? That, that is how the music makes you feel. That is the spirit at work. That is the spirit calling you to take part in the music. That's the Spirit asking you to be a part of the song. That's the Spirit asking you to pick up your instrument or to dance or to just be in tune with what God is trying to do in this world. So it's the Spirit that says to Peter, Peter, even though you haven't eaten this stuff for thousands of years, I want you to eat it because it's in tune with what I'm trying to do in this world. And it's, and it's God, uh, the Spirit who says to um, to Peter again, hey, go to Cornelius' house. And even though you haven't hung out with these people for thousands of years, you're going to hang out with them now because it's in tune with what I'm trying to do in this world. And even though, and even though, Paul, that you have been killing my people, I'm going to ask you to go build churches with these people because it is in tune with what I am trying to do. That is what the Spirit does. It works to bring peace to this place. It asks us to go a little farther, to move a little differently to listen a little differently, to speak a little differently, to think a little differently, and it asks us to be a part of the music. We are miracles. We are miracles created in the image of God. That's what we are. We are miracles uh, that are made up of, of seven billion to the third power atoms. That's what we are. Do you believe you're a miracle created by the God that is the ground of all existence? We have an incredible life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A life, death, and resurrection that shows us how we live in this world and what really matters in this world and that there is love in this world that cannot be defeated and that there is a grace that is upon all of us. We get that through Jesus Christ. There is a spirit moving around us. It is a spirit that begs us and asks us to play a part in the music of bringing peace to this world. So what do we do? Richard Rohr says this, he says, in attempts to explain the Trinitarian mystery in the past, we've looked at the individual qualities of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but not so much the relationships between them. But that's where all the power is. That's where all the meaning is. The mystery of God as Trinity invites us into a dynamism, a flow, a relationship, a water wheel of love. The mystery says God is a verb much more than a noun. God as Trinity invites us into our participatory experience. Are we ready to get into this experience, this relationship of the Trinity? This is a little bit harder to do because here's the deal. The Trinity is completely different than the rest of this city. Completely So this city says what? 
the city goes, you are at your best when you are independent. You need the help of no one. That's what the city will tell you. The Trinity says, nope. We're always deferring to one another. God says, you want to know what I look like? Look at the Spirit. Spirit says, you want to know what I look like? Look at Jesus. Jesus says, you want to know what I look like? Look look at God. Always deferring to one another. I think right now, today, there are some of us here who think that we have to do this by ourselves. There are some of us here who are saying, you know what, this is, this is me and it's all about me and if I don't get it right, then I've got to go home or I've got to quit my job or I've got to do something else. And today I challenge you, I challenge you to defer to someone else. I challenge you to defer to someone in this community and to say, you know what, I don't have it together. I don't have it. I think you know what you might find out? I think you might find out that there are plenty of other people who are tired of being independent too. There's plenty of other people who are tired uh, of trying to do this on their own too. Today I challenge you to defer to someone else. Take part in the music. You know what the city does? The city says, be in control. You have to be in control. Find control. You know what the Trinity says? Give up control. Give up control to the other. Right now, there are some of us in this room who absolutely need help. We're tired of acting and looking like we are in control all the time when the truth is we're not and we're about to crash. And today, I invite you to tell someone, anyone, a pastor, a friend, someone at this community you just met, hey, I'm not in control anymore and I need help. That's what this Trinity mystery is for. That's what this church is for. I invite you to take part in the music. You know what the city does? The city says your boundaries matter. And it's true, your boundaries do matter. Boundaries are good things. But you know what the Trinity does? The Trinity says, you know what, I need to dissolve the right boundaries. The right boundaries need to be dissolved. And so today, right now, you might be sitting on a line that says, I don't know if I want to get involved in this church community. Or I don't know if I want to get involved with this person or this thing. And we're kind of sitting on the line between that boundary. Today, I invite you to dissolve that boundary. I invite you to take part in the mystery of this Trinity. I invite you to try something new. I invite you to take part in the music. Because this mystery of the Trinity, this this relationship, this God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit, this three in one, they are in relationship with one another. They are deferential to one another. They serve one another. They're selfless with one another. They accept one another. They love one another. And there's anything that this mystery tells us is that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are a part of this. And so I pray today, I ask you today to take part in the mystery of this Trinity. And the truth is you will not have it figured out. I still don't have it figured out. There's like stuff I'm reading thousands of years old and they never had it figured out. But what we do know is that there is a love and acceptance that comes from this that can't come from anywhere else. I choose you to take, I ask you to take part in it, to choose to take part in it. To take part in this irresistible this life-giving, this incredible music. As we close, I want to pray the words of Paul from the book of Ephesians. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I kneel before you from every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that you may strengthen us with your power through your spirit your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that us, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Pray us in your name. Amen.